This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. First against fourth in the district line derby, Rangnick finally takes the wheel of the good ship and Manchester United. Mourinho returns to his old hunting ground. Our first that Clásica of the season and MLS conference finals. It's the weekend preview. It's weekend preview time. And there's a lot to get through. I'm here with Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and of course, Jonathan Johnson. Kigo Lasso weekend preview begins right now. Welcome to Kigo Lasso, our weekend preview. Thank you so much for tuning in. Leave us a comment, like the video, subscribe to the channel. We are so close, everybody, to 6,000 subscribers. Keep on coming. Hit that notification bell while you're at it. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It helps us to grow the show. It's the weekend preview. Woohoo! Let's go with Mountain Man. Heath Pierce, how are you, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to see everybody uh, heading into the weekend, which is great. Some great matchups coming up. So, yeah, let's go. Absolutely. Jimmy Conrad, what's up, buddy? I'm excited as well. I didn't know Modesto was in the mountains, but I learned something new today. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Modesto in the mountains. I love it. Jonathan Johnson. He's wearing Real Betis today. How are you, bud? Hey there, guys. Doing very well. Thanks. Delighted to know that the fresh mountain air is doing Heath Pierce's hairdo the world of good. (laughs) I know. He looks so ravenous. I love it. I love it. Welcome, everybody, to Weekend Preview. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, Jonathan Johnson. We're going to break down all the main matches of the weekend. We begin. We will begin in the Premier League. We'll take a break, and then we'll go around Europe and wrap it all up, of course, in North America with some good games in MLS as conference finals takes place. Let's begin in the Premier League. The London Derby. A London derby, West Ham against Chelsea. It's a big one, of course, uh, for so many reasons. Chelsea continue to be Chelsea no matter what happens. And West Ham, by the way, who are having won actually in the last three games, uh, is there a fizzle? Has it run out? Uh, let's begin with you, Jimmy Conrad. West Ham, Chelsea, it's a good game for the neutral, good game for the London derby. What say you? Yeah, this is a good one. There's some injury concerns for Chelsea. So I'll start there. It looks like that N'Golo Conte is going to be out. So that's a big, big loss for them. Ben Chilwell is still going to be out. Uh, they're now, I guess, flirting. If I'm understanding Tuchel right, if I'm trying to read between the lines, that Callum Hudson-Odoi could actually be a wing back on the left side to make sure they give enough rest to Marcus Alonso because Ben Chilwell is going to be out for, I think, the rest of the season. So interesting balancing there. We saw Christian Pulisic actually drop off and play a little wing back for some time. He didn't seem all that pleased. But uh, playing time is playing time, my friend. Now, Chelsea beat both uh, West Ham in both fixtures last season, including a 1-0 result at the London Stadium. As you mentioned, West Ham maybe starting to fall apart. Chelsea have won five consecutive league games on the road uh, in a row. So that is interesting. I, I, I think Chelsea might be catching them at the right time. Romelu Lukaku is coming back into the team. Will he be sharp? I think he'll be fine. He's Romelu Lukaku. And I just want to throw out there that, that Chelsea have a relatively kind like holiday fixture list. Uh, they have Leeds, Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa, and Brighton before the end of the month. 
And when you compare that to some of the other teams, I'm looking at you, Man City and Liverpool, who they're competing against for the title. There's a lot more difficult. That said, their first two league matches after the new year in 2022 in the league are both Liverpool and Man City. Those are going to be cracking affairs. But as it stands right now, I think Chelsea's going to have enough to do the business. I do want to throw in there really quick that West Ham, West Ham have scored a goal in every single game at home this season. So I'm feeling mm. Chelsea to win. Both teams to score plus 290. You're welcome. Mm. <laughs> wow. I like that, Jimmy. I mean, the, the only thing I'd add to what Jimmy said, because I think that's spot, in, uh, spot on, is obviously the role that Aspilicueta could have to play in this match. Obviously, wingbacks being such an important role for, for this Chelsea side uh, if, if he does end up playing. And then also Chelsea have, have won their last five away. And so I like their odds to continue this one. If Laku, Lukaku gets the, gets the start, I certainly think there's a win there. And they're not struggling to score goals as well, scoring more than two, I believe, in, in, in most of their or their last um, away matches. So overall, I like Chelsea in this one. Chelsea are going to be Chelsea, as you said, uh, Luis. That, so I, I don't really like uh, or don't think that they're at much stress. Obviously, as Jimmy mentioned, some, some squad rotations due to injuries and things like that. But overall, mm -hmm. Chelsea should be able to control this one. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm struggling to see past a Chelsea victory at this moment in time. West Ham, like Luis uh, Miguel was saying earlier, kind of you know losing that little bit of verve that they had at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, and I'm sure it will come back. Uh, but you know, at this moment in time, their form's a little bit patchy. Not the right kind of preparation uh, coming into a big clash like this against Chelsea, especially when it's a London derby. So I'm with you guys. Uh, I, I think Jimmy's tip is a uh, is, is a wise one. Uh, you know, and I think I can see both teams scoring, but uh, Chelsea winning this one. Yeah, I think uh, the consensus is going that way. Before we, uh, Jimmy gives us quick betting tips on this one, when so we do the predictions for this game, you mentioned Kante, obviously, out, yeah, but Chelsea are missing like seven players as well. I mean, Reese James, by the way, didn't feature midweek. Obviously, we're trying to see if he'll even be fit for that, uh, as well as uh, Chabola as well. You know, he was hurt as well. So there are some complications, but this is Chelsea. We've talked about it, right? The Royal to the Premier League right now. Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, and everybody else. Between fourth and 10th, everybody, there's a five-point differential, you know? So you can clearly see there are, you know, when it comes to the top half of the table, it's like Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, everybody else. So Jimmy, quick betting tips on this one and then predictions, I guess. Yeah, as I mentioned, I think that, because West Ham has found a knack of scoring goals. They've only been shut out twice in all competitions this season. And one of those was against Wolves two weeks ago, away from home. And my fear for, for West Ham a little bit is that Wolves set up very similarly, or did in this particular game, with three center backs and two wing backs. And West Ham couldn't really find their way. They couldn't get a lot. They didn't have as much possession. They, they weren't making a lot of their chances. And so that's something to keep in mind. And then they had a 0-0 draw against Southampton much, much earlier away from home as well. But at home... They seem to have a little bit of that juice. So as I mentioned, I think that both teams are going to score, but I'll add in the extra benefit of Chelsea actually getting the win. So Chelsea to win both teams to score plus 290 is something I'm looking at. If you want, if you want really quick, if you want Lukaku to score anytime, that's plus 145. That's not bad value, but make sure, mm -hmm. make sure that you look to see who the starting first before you make any of these bets. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm going to go with the 2-1 win for, for Chelsea. Obviously, last three away matches, there's been more than two goals scored by the team. And I, I agree with both JJ and, and Jimmy's sentiments of, of West Ham being able to get a goal in this one. So a 2-1 win for Chelsea. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. Actually, just one other thing I guess I'll mention, given that I've already given my score in, was wondering what you guys make of the, the criticism of, uh, of, of Saul uh, recently. Because he's definitely not uh, not hit the ground running as many people expected him to with Chelsea. Yeah, Jimmy, feel free to jump on yeah, that I one. Saul obviously has had a very tough uh, start, uh, and obviously, 
you know, being sobbed as well. Uh, you know, Tuchel did blame it a little bit on the yellow card, but I'm not so sure. I think obviously we know that his form hasn't been that great since joining Chelsea. No, I just jump in and say that Diego Simeone let Saul go for a reason. And and I almost yeah. liken it to Real Madrid letting Varane and Sergio Ramos go. They know where those guys were mentally, physically, emotionally. And Ramos and Varane can't stay healthy. And Saul just can't really lock in. And I don't know what's going on with him per se behind the scenes. It might be something that's that's something going on off the field that's permeating to, to not playing well on the field but also he's changing leagues he's changing teams they've got a team that already knows how they want to play and he's got to figure out a way to fit in there's a whole bunch of different factors but i always thought it was pretty surprising that let's was like yeah sure so we'll go ahead no problem we'll be fine i don't know yeah no it's true it's very true um all right before we wrap this game up We've and we've had our predictions. Uh, just a reminder that Chelsea remain top of the table right now with 33 points. West Ham in fourth place, 24 points. But as we mentioned, it's very tight. It's very important for West Ham to get something out of it. But you don't see it really happening with this Chelsea side. All right, let's uh, move on here. Sticking in the Premier League, Manchester United. Michael Carrick did his work. He's done. And we welcome in uh, the godfather of Gagan present in Ralph Rangnick. Very impressed with his press conference, by the way. I mean, as you should be, right? But United against Crystal Palace, thanks to that win against Arsenal, Manchester United have closed in a little bit more now. They're seventh, 21 points. So they continue to climb out the table. Crystal Palace has suffered as of late. Of course, they remain in 11th with 16 points. No Patrick Vieira, by the way, in that press conference. Uh, maybe he was too busy trying to figure out how this one is going to work out. But let's begin with you, Heath Pierce. Manchester United against Crystal Palace. Well, Ralph Rangnick, I mean, what what what, what do you make now as he, as he will be right there beginning his campaign, his interim campaign as of right now with Manchester United against Palace? Well, one, you always look for that new manager bump, right, that you get out of those. But then the part two was actually how do you establish a form and a rhythm? I think the team is currently stuck between three managers or three philosophies and even more of the way just the club has been over the years of just some confusion as to the culture of the team, the way in which they play, how they press, where they drop, the lines of confrontation, things like that. So uh, I, I worry about that in the short term. Obviously, Against Arsenal, they were really good at attacking the fullbacks. That's another thing they're going to have to do in this match against Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace on the flip side, have have sort of rude missed chances. They're not getting a ton of them, but when they do, they need to be able to <clears throat> put those away. And so that's important as well. And then obviously the Ronaldo story continues where he's obviously up in age. You've now got an opportunity to rotate him in the squad. Do you rotate him or not? And there's a difference between rotation or benching like we talked about last week with Ronaldo being left on the bench and being unhappy about that and actually managing the workload of a player who's up there in age and knowing that you're going to need a lot of him a lot of minutes out of him and a lot of performance out of him in the upcoming matches. He's not somebody, and at a certain point, I guess what I'm saying is you get to a point where you have to protect the player from themselves. Ronaldo knows his body. He's probably better than anyone uh, besides maybe Tom Brady in terms of taking his health and wellness serious uh, of every minute of every day, meaning something to him. But if you were to rotate him out of this squad, it gives an opportunity for, for Van de Beek or Martial to perhaps get some minutes and contribute to the team there. I think that there was, while it was a chaotic win against Arsenal, there is some sort of confidence that comes out of that. And so, yeah, I, I look at it uh, in this one and, and, and see there being an opportunity for Ranić to be able to establish something new. Obviously, two days in charge is not enough to make any significant changes, but he could start to tinker a little bit with it or just focus on one thing at a time and say, hey, we're going to press in these spots. We're going to be very good at pressing, and then we'll worry about the rest of it later. The issue, by the way, before I wrap this thought up, is like you said, Luis, they're getting closer to a top four, 
And that's where you start to feel a little bit of a pressure instead of saying, hey, we're focusing on the team and the team first. Now we're focusing on results. And I know there's always the that's left in the balance always when you're playing at a club like Manchester United. But it might be a, a, a case of one step back to take two steps forward in terms of establishing a style of play for the future and, and sort of reestablishing a culture of what the expectations are for playing for Manchester United. Jimbo. Yeah, I think, I think one, uh, one, one thing that I've been really impressed with and found quite intriguing in the press conference is that Ranić is definitely not going to give up this idea of potentially getting the United gig beyond the end of this season. You know, he accepts that he's there as the interim right now, but I, I you know, I think he definitely has some designs on getting the job long term. So we'll see, you know, how quickly it takes for for that scenario to to turn. But I also I think as well, uh, you know, one thing that he will have benefited from with this sort of drawn out process of actually getting him into place is the fact that the United players have known that these last this last match or so, particularly against Arsenal, was basically an audition, you know, for who can catch his eye first, uh, you know, who can give Ranić some ideas as to what he can do, uh, you know, stylistically with this team, you know, how they fit into uh, previous formations that he's had success with or whether he's going to try something completely new that we haven't seen before. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it plays out. And I think, uh, you know, Carrick deserves... Big credit as well for the way that he handled himself, uh, you know, in the in the short interim period between Ranić and uh, and Solskjaer. Uh, you know, I think he deserves to to leave his leave with his head up high uh, from Old Trafford. And I also think it's admirable that you know he's so loyal to Solskjaer, which he was kind of hinting at when he was speaking publicly. Hey, hey Jimmy, can I yeah, uh, sure. let me ask you a question real quick? Um, with Carrick, as JJ just mentioned, and, and then I'll obviously jump back on the topic, but do, what do you think is next for him in terms of you get a taste of first team management? I mean, you're Jimmy, you're doing your coaching badges. You've stepped into those environments before as a coach. I mean, what is it like? Uh, do you think that he can come back and just sort of sit in the role of, of, uh, of, an, of an assistant? Or do you think that now his ambition is first team football, first team manager? I think he's got a taste, Heath. I think he knows what it feels like. And obviously, he's got a pretty good record, two wins and a draw against the reigning champions of Europe. So there's a lot for him to hang his hat on and say, hey, if you just gave me that type of trust, I could, you know, actually produce for you. That said, he did, he did come out and say that he wanted to spend more time with his family. And right when he retired as a player, he immediately joined Jose Mourinho's staff and was thrown right into the mix and never really got that time to to relax and and, and that it's all all consuming all-encompassing is what I wanted to say and it's interesting because that's my issue as as a coach on a personal level that my girls I don't want to miss some of these really important years of their life and maybe have that regret 20 years from now like maybe I should have just been around I could have held off my coaching for a while so I don't know how old Carrick's kids are but I'm sure he's starting to feel that a little bit because he mentioned as much in in his press conference and and I relate to that in a, in a big way and so he I'm had a curious. Time, right he has time 40 years old like he's got time totally, to totally. back and yeah but but did you see the hug that Bruno Fernandez gave him after the after the game? It was a nice, long, somewhat romantic hug between Carrick and Bruno Fernandez. And I was like, what's going on? I didn't realize that that was what was happening behind the scenes. That not only was he stepping down, he was leaving the club entirely. And I wonder what kind of effect that's gonna have. That's a little bit different than a than a new manager bounce. You know, Ralph Rangnick's gonna come in, but but they just had some success with Carrick. So it must be a little bit odd at this point. Now these guys, yeah, are you know what, They're just before you carry on, Jimmy, I think yeah. it's going to help because I think Manchester United's biggest issue has been, they've been too emotionally attached to That's so fair. many Good things. Point. Sir Alex Ferguson, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Carrick. They're like the, the ghosts of the past have continued to be there. And this needs to be a blank slate. And I think Ralph Rangnick's going to come in and be like, and he said it in the press conference, this game has changed tremendously mm -hmm. at the turn of the 21st century and Manchester United, 
need to realize that, that it's physical, mental, whatever. And I think, honestly, with all due respect, the more you get rid of the ghost of the past, the better it's going to be for your future, I think. Go ahead, Jimmy. No, I just wanted to say with this regard to this game in particular, Crystal Palace, I think, is a very good attacking team, counterattacking team, excuse me. And, and I don't think that matches up well against Manchester United. What we've seen, even with like young boys in the Champions League, when Leicester came out and they came out and punched them in the face, they made them go work. They made them try to play through difficult situations. They they really suffocated Bruno Fernandez or any of their other attacking talent and made them pick up the ball a little bit deeper. I think if Crystal Palace want to have a chance in this one, they can't sit back and then hope to hit them on the counter with Zaha. That can work, but we saw it with Newcastle, who did it to great effect. It can only work for so long. You know, that was at Old Trafford. It was one one for a while, and then. They got unlocked, and then that was that. So I, I worry about that. And because Christian Benteke missed a bit of a sitter against Leeds, they end up giving a late penalty. They lose that one. That's got to be heartbreaking. That's the first time they've lost back-to-back games in the league all season. Mm. The one saving grace, I think, for Crystal Palace is that Manchester United have given up a goal in their last 15 games at Old Trafford in all competitions. So they're going to get some looks, no matter who plays and no matter who is the manager, because it's going to be hard for Rangnick to figure that out in a couple of days in charge. So I think there is some hope there, but I don't think they can go back and say, oh, we're going to get a clean sheet either. So I like United to win this one. I, I think that they're going to have enough. I think there's enough of a manager bounce there to, to make something happen. I'm curious to see who he starts, so obviously keep an eye on that. But if you want Manchester United to win in over two and a half goals, which is I'm kind of leaning towards that, it's plus 150. Also, this bet seems to hit a lot. Cristiano Ronaldo to score the first or last goal of the game. So either he's setting the tone or he's ended up being Mr. Clutch. I'm telling you, that bet hits all the time because the guy just loves scoring big big goals and big moments. Uh, that is plus 138. Maybe not the best value, but something to look at for sure. I love it. I love it. By the way, this would be Redemptionville for Manchester United because they failed to beat Crystal Palace last season. They lost and drew as well. But many, many good points, including that manager bounce. HP, quick prediction on this game. Oh, I think Manchester United, I mean, I, every time Jimmy brings up that Man United stat of being scored on, it just blows my <laughs> mind that that is real and it continues to grow as a stat. But uh, again, I think I think Manchester United, I, I, I thought the draw for a little bit just because Crystal Palace earlier on in the season were sort of the draw kings and staying in matches. But then it sort of turned into when those draws turned to losses, you start to become a little more problematic and you want those draws to turn into wins. And now to have two losses in a row, I just think Manchester United are too strong in this one. Whether Ronaldo starts or not, it's an opportunity and a tryout for most of these players that are going to be motivated. Again, that new manager bounce, I think, is, is really important. So I'm saying Manchester United 2-0 on this one. All right. JJ? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say either 2-0 or 3-1. I can definitely see United winning by two and, and winning fairly comfortably and giving Ranić a, a successful start. All right. Well, before we move on to Everton Arsenal, just a quick mention for what Cristiano Ronaldo just achieved this week, by the way, 801 goals. He is the only player in history to do that in top flight matches. People talk about the legendary Pele and even Romario with a thousand plus, but a lot of those games were friendlies. When you just think about top flight games, Ronaldo, now he's what? The European Championship top scorer, the top scorer in the Champions League. I think the most capped European male player as and well. He finished, like, and he finished sixth on the Ballon d'Or. Imagine how good the top five are. I know. That's why he didn't show up, right? He, he usually knows when, he, <laughs> when he's not going to win it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, focus now um, to a club that's really not doing very well. And I wonder how long this will last. Rafa Benitez and Everton as they host Arsenal. We know... We've talked about Arsenal, of course, HP's Arsenal. You know, there's an identity, at least. They lost in United, but at least you know who they are. Everton right now, not doing well at all. Toffees winless in eight, losing six of their last seven Premier League games. Uh, 
JJ, is Rafa Benitez the problem or is he the easiest scapegoat? Because, you know, this squad is not like has been changed that much in recent years. What say you as Everton host Arsenal? I think it's a bit of both. Uh, I mean, Benitez has been very unlucky for a start, given that Everton have been missing so many important players. But also at the same time, you know, I think the signs were there that Everton were going to have a problematic period of a couple of years under Ancelotti. You know, I kind of think it was a blessing in disguise that Raul came in and, and picked him up. I just, I'm not sure that Benitez was the right choice for Everton. And that's not a knock on Benitez. Obviously, I rate him highly as a coach, as, as many of us probably do, given what he's achieved in the game. Uh, I, I just always think that you're going to get off on the wrong foot when you, when you've had success, either as a player or a coach of your bitter rivals, you're always going to make it a bit harder to win the fans over. Uh, and although the fans are only just one part of that problem, that negative spiral that's going on at, uh, at Everton at this moment in time, uh, you know, I really don't think that that helped him, uh, you know, get off to the sort of start that he needed. Obviously, there's some issues that have been going on off the pitch as well. There's still, uh, you know, the the situation with the stadium dragging on, you know, so there's that kind of question of like identity surrounding the club. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this squad, when you look at it on paper, should be doing much, much better than they're doing at present, you know, injuries aside. So for me, I think that it's only a matter of time before Everton look to make a change. Uh, and given some of the speculation of late, uh, it could even be that they find themselves changing hands in terms of owners not to, not too far away yeah. in the future. Yep. I got three words for Everton. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Make it happen. We want him back in the league, everybody. We want him back in the league. Rafa Benitez isn't working out. You want somebody that's less organized. I think that's going to cause chaos and you're going to win some games. Okay, I just want to throw that out there. Uh, the Gunners have only won once in the last five trips to Goodison Park. It was back in 2017 in the league when they made that happen. That said, as you guys mentioned, Everton are struggling. We saw them get decimated by Liverpool. In fairness... Liverpool is decimating everybody. So I think you take that with a little grain of salt and uh, they're, they're almost unplayable when they're playing as well as they are currently. My issue with, with Everton is, and I had the same issue when Rafa Benitez was coaching Newcastle. You just, you start so defensive. You're always thinking defense first. You're always thinking, all right, we're going to defend first and then we'll figure out our attack, right? And right now they're really just attacking with, uh, Richarlson, and they had Solomon Rondon start. And I feel like you might be need, need to get fired just for that alone. But but <laughs> you have him up there, and maybe you have he will be playing underneath him uh, this particular game. I mean, that's – or or Damari Gray actually uh, scored a good goal. And, and Richarlson and Damari Gray linked up well for that Liverpool goal. And if they can kind of tap into that. But still, you're, you're hoping for a couple of good touches and a couple of good runs to to really solve your problems. And when you start playing against teams that are organized, uh, it's going to make a big difference. I was actually pretty disappointed in Arsenal's defending against Manchester United, uh, you know, kind of lackluster clearance led to the first one that, that Ben White didn't get enough on. Yeah, very you know, organized. Just, yeah. Just these little things that I think are actually very easily correctable or corrective. And and I think that will end up being something that Arteta looks at. Like, okay, we lost to United, but we kind of gave them those opportunities and they kind of shut off when the ball went wide. They weren't tracking those runners that are coming in coming in deep or just kind of hanging out there. Again, these are very easy to correct. So I'm hopeful that that will get solved. And if that's the case, I think it's going to be harder for Everton. I like Arsenal to win this game. And I don't actually say that very often, but I like Arsenal to win this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't say that often either, but I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you, Jimmy. Uh, obviously, in this one, as you mentioned, I think, I think when you look at the fullback situation with Tavares and Tomeyasu, they're the weakest points in there. They're obviously, you know, the, getting the biggest excuses because they're the newest players in the squad. Give them time to adjust to the Premier League. Uh, Sambi Lukonga comes back into this match too, which I think gives them some more solidity mm -hmm. with Mohamed Elneny just 
to me has always been somebody that's been subpar what my expectations are of when he first came in and has never really rounded the corner in terms of quality. But I still like uh, Arsenal's odds to win this one, mostly because of the injury concerns of 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 uh, Everton. And obviously, Jimmy, you're lucky because Solomon Rondon is now out. Uh, he's not going to be. I'm uh, lucky. Rafa Benitez but, is lucky. But, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you've got you've got Calvert-Lewin, you've got Tom Davies, Gilfy Sigurdsson, Yeri Mina is doubtful for this one, too. So even though even though they would match up well in terms of uh, Arsenal being the team that I'm saying, judge them based on two matches, they're now they're now testing me on this. Okay, we'll learn. We'll we'll lose every other match, and then we'll win uh, the one after that. Uh, they're just. It's just hard to know when when uh, Arsenal are going to show up as a complete performance, and when they do, you go, okay, wow, there's something here, and and you go, oh, look at the young players. And then when they lose, you go, yeah, we have the young players and new players. So it's a bit confusing. Arsenal obviously um, lost uh, heavily to Liverpool and United. Uh, so showing that they struggle against some of the bigger teams. If, if if Everton can step up and approach this game as a big team or really create that chaos for Arsenal, make them uncomfortable, uh, that's when Arsenal really struggle. But I, I still like the 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 odds of uh, the odds of Arsenal winning this one against the depleted and depressed sort of Everton side. Yeah. Well, listen. Before we wrap this one up, I mean, we've said it a long time, right? When you talk about che- when you play Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, it's a different narrative. Like that's just like a different kettle of fish. So I'm just looking at the other games that Everton have lost as well, right? That uh, one nothing loss to Brentford as well before that. Like there's just. I mean, I mean, they lost. They lost to us. <laughs> they lost three nothing. Story. three nothing, <laughs> three nothing. They got killed. They're just so reactive, like Jimmy uh, said as well. Put it this way: Arsenal don't win this game. I'll be very, very surprised. And honestly, about Rafa Benitez, Everton should be looking at another Spanish manager who's available. Diego Martinez should be all over this job right now. Mm-hmm. He is, he is so good, and he'll be able to There's rectify. Too many Spaniards, too many Spaniards in England we're, now. No, but we're swapping. We're swapping now JJ, even he, JJ's we're wearing, wearing a Spanish shirt. This is just, <laughs> you know, he, the, we're mafia, swapping. the mafia. The mafia is thriving in England right now. He, he, we're swapping, thriving. but we're just swapping. We're saying okay, Rafa, Rafa, Diego, one we're not, one we're not one. adding. We're not adding. All right, well, let's do quick <laughs> predictions there. Jimmy, you gave it to us. You said on Arsenal win. What was your final score? Yeah, I go two one. If you want Arsenal to win in over two and a half goals, that will be plus two forty five. But ultimately, plus one fourteen. Arsenal the favorites in this one. A little bit of a surprise there, but I think maybe you throw them into your parlay to spice it up a little bit. I like it. HP, what's your score for this one? God, I just want to give them a draw and just be, just because tradition. Good. It's as, pretty as good Jimmy, value. As, as, as Jimmy as Jimmy mentioned, Arsenal have struggled on the road at Goodison Park going all the way back to twenty seventeen. So I think that's that's a bit of an issue on this one. But I just think Everton are too weak, and I could actually see this been being a tight one and, and Arsenal pulling this off one nil. All right, JJ. I'm going to go 2 now. I'm pretty confident Arsenal are going to get this done. And now the, the, put the final nail in uh, Rafa's coffin. Yeah, I totally agree. By the way, this is a big game for Arsenal for other reasons as well. Emotionally, Mikel Arteta, Everton were his first English club as well, uh, you know, from Real Sociedad. But if Arsenal win and West Ham uh, draw or lose to Chelsea, Arsenal go fourth. So it's a, it's a big game. For Arsenal and Everton. All right. So elsewhere in the Premier League, there's Norris. Let's show us that graphic if you're watching this on YouTube. Plenty of games. By the way, we've already talked the London Derby. Newcastle host Burnley. Newcastle, boys. I know that you want to say something before the break, but my goodness, time. (laughs) Jimmy, time is, I mean, it's already run out. What what is he on? Insurance time right now? Do you see anything? Uh, Before you say anything, Southampton, Brighton, Wolves, Liverpool, Watford, Man City. You had something on Newcastle, Jimmy? Oh, I just got to get our first win of the season. We need a little something to go our way. Obviously, you played Norwich at home last week or in the last game, and 
you get a red card 10 minutes in, that's not the good juju that we need, you know? So a good solid performance would be nice on both sides of the ball, but we'll see. Yep, Sunday, Leeds host Brentford. We talked United Palace, Tottenham against Norwich and Villa against Leicester City. Final thoughts uh, from the Premier League, Jonathan Johnson. Yeah, obviously, I'm keen to see what happens uh, between Villa and Leicester. I've got Stephen right. Gerrard already going for Premier League Manager of the Month. I think that's and maybe a bit premature. But... Don't jinx him. <laughs> no, but uh, honestly, it reflects uh, you know just how much change he's brought in with him, especially in those first two matches. Well, actually, no, I'm not. I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to say all three matches because even against City, you know, the way that the Villa responded to going two 0 down was very, very encouraging. Uh, you know, and it feels like uh, you know there are good times ahead. And you know, I think. Coming up against this Leicester side at this moment in time, uh, you know, I, I think that's a winnable game for Villa. And if, you know, if we were to pull that off and that's nine points from a possible 12, you know, that is a pretty incredible turnaround. I'm with you. HB? Yeah, I, I mean, the game that I'm most interested in is Watford against Man City. Obviously, not knowing which which Watford side you're going to get. When, I, when I'm looking at their recent results, they get beaten bad by Liverpool 5-0. Then they score five on Everton. They lose to Southampton. <laughs> They, they lose to Arsenal, have a red card in that one. They batter Man United, and then they lose, uh, they lose to Leicester and they lose to, 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 to Chelsea in a, in a, in a tight-fought match. If they, can show, if they can bring something special, this is one of those wild-card teams that should be beaten by Man City and controlled from start to finish, but they are one that seems to be up for a task of being a giant killer, so that's one that I'm interested in this weekend. Yeah, no, very good point about Watford. Who are you, Claudio Ranieri's Watford? Uh, indeed. All right, we're going to take a break, everybody, but when we come back, we will do the rest of Europe as Inter Milan against Roma, Napoli, Atalanta. We also have the Classica, so much more, La Liga as well, and MLS. Uh, Weekend preview, Kigo Lasso will be right back. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody. Here, Kigo Lasso, Weekend Preview, Jonathan Johnson, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, now to break down the rest of Europe and beyond. We begin in Serie A exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Let's begin with a good one here as Roma face Inter Milan. That's Saturday noon Eastern. And Mourinho faces his old club. Jimmy Conrad, what say you, buddy? Well... As a Roma supporter, I'm a little, uh, let's say, not even cautiously optimistic here. I'm, I'm a little nervous with this one. Inter have been in good form the last few weeks. They've closed the gap at the top of the table, uh, who have Napoli and, and AC Milan uh, above them. Roma just lost to Bologna, 1-0. It's not great. I'm not feeling great about it. Even though this game is at Stadio Olimpico and Jose Mourinho is facing his former club, who he won a trouble with back in the day. 
And that was that was like peak Jose Marino when everybody still kind of loved him. And now he's he's become a bit of a caricature of himself and like an evil Bond villain. But, you know, there is something to be said about how he organizes his teams. Obviously, I always give Marino's teams a chance, but I wonder which team is going to turn up. They seem to be a little bit hot and cold and and very similar. I don't know to to Watford, I guess, to use what uh, Heath was saying before. I'm like, I actually think I could explain Roma in the same way. Which version of these guys is going to show up? But I think for the big ones. They'll be ready to go. My fear, though, is that Edin Dzeko, who Roma left and let go, who had played over 250 times for Roma, who now plays for Inter Milan. And you know what? He's looking pretty good in place of Romelu Lukaku, who obviously left for Chelsea. I think he could be up for this one, going back to the stadium where he had a lot of success. I know he's 35, but age is just a number these days in the modern game. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how this is going to go. I think it's going to be close. I'm afraid that Inter might have enough and a little bit more quality, a little bit more momentum to get a result here. And that makes me sad as a Roma supporter. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with Jimmy's sentiments on this one, even though I'm not uh, a Roma supporter. There are also no Tammy Abraham uh, on five yellow yeah. cards. So he's suspended yeah. Karsdorp as well suspended for this one. Not that he's a huge addition to the team, but you're forcing to go deeper into your bench in a match that you want to have your best 11 in this one. And then enter undefeated in their last eight against mm-hmm. Roma, mm-hmm. Uh, which, which, and, and by the way, enter right now, or you can see sort of them tapping into what they did around this time last year, where, they sat a little bit deeper in the table and then started to build this momentum. And I think anytime that you can look last to last season and say, Hey, this was that time of the year where teams started to fall apart. And that's where we really came together. You can feel that momentum starting to build up and that belief that ultimately led to a championship. It's just a tough time to play against an inter Milan who weren't part of the conversation. You go back two, three weeks and they were eight points uh, adrift to the top of the table, even closer, uh, maybe even a few points further than that. And now, uh, they can see themselves closing that gap and and in form and doing it in a way that's predictable. And again, when you can build a team and build that consistency, mm-hmm. it becomes very difficult to beat. And I think this Roma side, regardless of the fact that you have Jose Mourinho there, is going to struggle to get a result. And I see a, a win coming for Inter Milan. So, yeah. JJ? Yeah, definitely. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, I think Mourinho has been going through, uh, you know, quite a quite a tough uh, proving period with, with Roma at the moment. It's quite clear that, you know, they're probably not going to get the immediate results that, that they wanted to get under him without further change to, to certain parts of the squad. But also at the same time, you know, I'm pretty impressed by the way that Inter have turned things around. They've managed to cut the gap. Admittedly, that's also thanks to, you know, Napoli's growing injury crisis, uh, you know, and Milan inexplicably throwing away some points as well. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think credit to them and it's uh, it- it's making for a more interesting title race. I think Inter will probably just shade this one, uh, you know, but it really wouldn't surprise me also at the same time if Roma actually turn up and, you know, managed to, to get a-, a good result. Yeah, well, listen, when you look at that table, Napoli, Milan, Inter, Atalanta, and then Roma in fifth, but, you know, they are six points Behind the Champions League point. Quick predictions on this one, Jimmy C. Shaking his head. No, it's just the Tammy Abraham issue is a big one. He's been influential. Even if he's not scoring goals, he still has this presence that I think opens up space for other players. Sonny Olo should get the start. And and I know that there's been some talk about Mourinho saying he needs to go. I don't know. He's been criticizing. He always criticizes the players. I don't know if that helps. But uh, I like Inter Milan to win. I think it'll be a little tighter. They, they Roma drew with Napoli 0-0 not too long ago. I, I think that Mourinho, because he doesn't have a Tammy Abraham, might get a little bit Rafa Benitez-esque and try to drop everybody back and try to hit him on the counter or in a set piece. That feels kind of what Jose would do in these situations, knowing that Inter are 
a little bit better and in better form. So Inter Milan to win an under two and a half goals is plus 450. I think that's pretty crazy value, all things considered. But again, look at the starting lineups. Uh, take a look at uh, who's hurt and who's not maybe for Inter and who's going Simone and Zaghi's team at Inter. But uh, I think they're going to be up for it. I think they're going to get a result. So Inter's going to win. I don't know, 2-0, maybe 2-1. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the two zero for for interim this one. And I start I'm starting to think about the more I think about Jose Mourinho, and I know this is off topic, but the more I'm seeing him closer to a Felix Maggot. And I I don't know if you remember his era mm-hmm. of of management, but he was a sort of a fire and brimstone type of manager where you'd take him out to the hills to run and things like that, and that worked for a certain generation. And I feel Jose Mourinho is sort of not only coming into these clubs with a little bit of a negative perspective and a fear factor of people saying, oh, no, the first thing he says, I'm going to basically build a wall because he's got this reputation of doing that, but almost being phased out of the type of management style. We talked about getting to the 21st century um, with Ranić and how you update these clubs and bring them up into the modern eras, and that's also a management style and the way that you manage egos and players, and I and I wonder if Jose Mourinho is at a point where he needs to change his style of style of management, especially when you're at a smaller club and don't have the deepest resources in the world to be able to buy yourself uh, a trophy here and there. And now, good point. JJ, anything to wrap up here in this game, uh, especially with the Mourinho comment? Oh, I, I completely agree. You know, I do think that Jose is in danger of being, you know, something of a, of a footballing dinosaur these days. You know, I think Roma... It's arguably one of his last shots at a really, really big club. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him potentially going into international management yet next, uh, you know, wh- whether that's, you know, sort of in the immediate future. There's obviously going to be a lot of speculation about the Portugal job if they don't make it to the World Cup. You know, that could I mean, be... Uh, he's literally the last person Portugal <laughs> need, to be honest with you. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, but it, it's it's just that I'm struggling to really see where else I could I could fit Mourinho in, you know, mm. because Mourinho has gone back to Italy. You know, there was a lot expected of him because his last spell in Serie A, uh, you know, was hugely successful with Inter Milan, uh, you know, and it's just kind of been a little bit underwhelming. Started kind of in like heartwarming fashion, seeing him, you know, munching pizza and sipping Coke on the train after a win. But you know, <laughs> that, those kind of good times have worn off a little bit now, uh, you know, and it's it's just kind of back to the same old routine, really, which everyone around Europe is is pretty familiar with. So, uh, you know, I don't think that it's, uh, you know, it's it's sort of time to, to cut losses at all yet. I imagine it'll be given at least the season. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Mourinho, in order to succeed with this Roma side, is going to need to make even greater sweeping changes. Uh, and I'm not sure that it's something that Roma should necessarily sanction because as we've seen, Mourinho doesn't necessarily stay in too many places too long these days. Uh, and, you know, quite often we'll leave a squad in need of major repair afterwards. Yeah, we will be seeing that, especially it'll be very difficult to break that Atalanta, Inter, Milan, Napoli top four uh, hierarchy. But all right, very quick on Napoli, Atalanta, Napoli lead Serie A. But my goodness, the injuries are everywhere. Kaladu Koulibaly will be out. Until 2022, we already know about Victor Osman as well. There's some other injuries as well. Fabian Ruiz, Lorenzo Insigne, I believe, as well. My goodness, Heath Pierce, Napoli lead the table, but it's getting very dangerous, especially in this time of year. And now they have to face Atalanta, who basically don't let you breathe in any game. How do you see this one? Yeah, uh, you know, a- Atalanta put a put a thumping on Venezia, our our team, our new team America, uh, <laughs> uh, in the midweek, and did it in a, it, with a ro- pretty rotated squad. And so to bring those players back, they're red hot right now. I'm not betting against a- Atalanta. And then, as you mentioned, with no Koulibaly, uh, I just don't see how they're going to prevent um, prevent this 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 uh, Atalanta side from from being able to score goals in this one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll go hop in really quick and just say that I love Atalanta right now. They're unbeaten in nine. They get to rotate their squad as they start to welcome other players back in. Uh, Goosen's out wide. You know, you're starting to see a nice rotation of Duvan Zapata. New maybe not starting. New Gasperini as well. Yeah. Yeah. New contract. And he's got it through 2024, which is great. You know, he's, he's obviously overseeing a tremendous success for the club. And I like how they're playing right now. With regard to Napoli, they were up 2-0 on Sassuolo. Gave up two late goals to draw 2-2. Now with Koulibaly out, one Jesus should come in, but he's not Koulibaly, and, and I think there could be some issues there. That said, Napoli at home are fantastic. They are so, so good at home, but I don't know if it's going to be enough. I actually think this might be my sneaky pick of, of the weekend. I think this is going to be a great game, by the way, and if you're going to spend any time with Serie A, this should be the one to watch. There's going to be a lot of goals. It was 4-2 the last time they played in favor of Atalanta. I, I like Atalanta to win plus 185, and I'd throw it into a parlay for sure. I love it. That's Saturday, 2.45 Eastern. JJ, go ahead. Yeah, I fancy Atalanta to win this one as well, build on their victory away against Juve a couple of weeks ago. Uh, The other thing I would say is, you know, given all of their injury absences, if Napoli can pull off a draw here somehow, that, you know, that's a very, very positive result for them. Uh, You know, and they'll just have to hope that Milan don't make up that gap on them uh, that they've managed to open up. But I think it's going to be a really tough period now between, uh, you know, this match and the end of the the calendar year. Uh, And, you know, Napoli, I think, are really going to have to be looking at the January transfer window and potentially looking to make a few moves, even if it's just temporary ones. But for me, I can see Atalanta, you know, winning this, I'm going to say by two goals. So let's let's be hopeful. I'll say 3-1 Atalanta. Yeah, um, we had uh, Fabrizio Romano on the show earlier this week talking about how Napoli that. and some other Italian clubs are really going to be hunting for center backs in January. HP, did you give that score prediction? Yeah, I would. I, I mean, the hard part is that Napoli are, I, I think, undefeated and almost 20 at home and they never give up goals. But this is just one again where it's like you're playing against an Atalanta. When you play against an Atalanta, all bets are off when they're in mm-hmm. form and they believe and can and will beat anybody. And so I'm going to say uh, 2-1 for Atalanta to win this one. By the way, you know, there's also the Champions League coming up back in big week as well. So I wonder how much that will fall into frame. All right, Des Norris, what's the rest of Serie A looking like? And by the way, we had a great interview with uh, Spezia's chief revenue officer, Lucas Cafati, talking about the club. Obviously, it's in the, it became the fifth American-owned club in Serie A. Really good chat, so make sure that you check it out. But here are the rest of the games. Bologna, Fiorentina, Dusan Vlaovic. Let's see how he Keeps going, by the way. That's a game on Sunday. AC Milan as well. Uh, Salernitana, Roma, Inter Milan, Napoli. What else we got there? Is that it? No, oh, no, we got some more games there. On Sunday, Sunday's the big one. Sunday is the big one as well. So if you're watching this on YouTube, there's all the fixtures. Before we say goodbye to Serie A, anything that you're looking to there, Jimmy? Well, I want to see what Juve is going to do and how they're going to perform. They... Very similar to Manchester United in some capacity where I think you could ask every single player on the team, hey, who's our best 11 and what's our best formation? And you're going to get 11 different answers. And I think that's a bit of a, a problem for Maxi Allegri to really figure out you know, what he has on his hands and how he can organize them best. So I'm kind of curious to see how they play and because and, Genoa is not going to just lay down. They're going to come out and fight, knowing that this is a pretty vulnerable Juve team. Yeah, my my only thought on the weekend is uh, AC Milan playing Salernitana. Obviously, I think they'll win this game. Salernitana are going to continue to struggle in the league, but they lost Simon Kier for the rest of the season. Uh, and I think that's a big hit to this team. We talk about depth, especially this time of year when that depth gets tested. I don't think AC Milan are particularly deep, 
so much so that Peely's already talking about going to the transfer window, but only taking somebody if it's going to be additive or improve the squad. So I worry about the long-term ramifications of losing a key player like that. Uh, uh, so I like their odds to win this game, but I'm thinking big picture for them. This is a really tough time for AC Milan, especially going into Champions League next week where they got to play Liverpool with a, with a glimmer of hope of getting through somewhere. Yeah, tough, tough blow for Simon Kies, a friend of the show, spoke to him a couple of weeks ago that, you know, just coming after the Ballon d'Or award, which he said was one of the the highlights of his career, uh, you know, to be ruled out, you know, pretty much for the rest of the season. That is going to be very, very tough for Milan to overcome. No, the one that I'm going to keep my eye on, like Jimmy, is the, the Juve Genoa game. But for another reason, because I'm just wondering when Shevchenko is going to be able to break this mm-hmm. duck. I mean, I, can't, I, don't, I don't think Genoa have won for like, I don't know, at least two months, two and a half months, something like that, something crazy. Uh, you know, I, I think he was a smart pick for for the new American project there. Uh, you know, but I just think the longer it goes on, uh, you know, without getting a win, uh, you know, the more the the, the pressure builds. Uh, you know, and they're in need of a positive result. And you know, Juve have looked pretty sketchy in quite a few of their games so far this season. They've lost in games where you don't expect them to. Uh, you know, in general, even though they're generally drawing a lot of the time, uh, you know, they still manage to find the back of the net. So I'm wondering if there's potentially another upset there because Max Allegri cannot afford another slip up. Indeed. And that's a Serie wrap up. And by the way, we spent, what, 10 percent on Juventus? The rest was everything else, right? There's just there's a there's a I'm not even going to say their Twitter name or anything. There's just a specific person that keeps on bugging Kegolasso that every time we talk about Serie A, it's always Juventus. So and it's like that could not be further from the truth. If anything, it's more Villa than Juventus at this uh, show. So there you have it. OK, so I don't want any more complaints after that. Yes, I am very petty. Tom Petty. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Let's go to the Bundesliga. Their Klassiker. This is a good one. Saturday, 12.30 Eastern. Bayern Munich leads the table with 31 points. Borussia Dortmund, 30 points. This is it. Whoever wins, of course, uh, remains or either goes, stop. A massive game, obviously, because Leverkusen have 24 points, so there's a little bit of a gap. So this is it. First against Heath Pierce. Let's go, baby. Their Klassiker. How good is this? It's amazing. And it's the perfect timing for it. Obviously, Erling Holland's return to the team is is much welcomed. I still think that Dortmund are continuing to find a way. I don't know how uh, to stay in this as they continue to deal with injuries. Mostly they're young players. Again, uncharacteristic of a club that has young players to have this many injuries um, at the age that they are. But I love this matchup. I I, I think this is a, a true test for for. For Borussia Dortmund, having Holland back, I also think it's a great test for Lewandowski to remind the world that he was screwed out of a Ballon d'Or that I believe cheer, he should have won. Um, and so, yeah, just overall as a matchup, this is the one that you wait all year long for in the in the Bundesliga. And the fact that they're both sitting on top, I don't know if it has long term uh, ramifications as to who goes on and wins the league. I think that's going to be more against who beats the relegation battlers and some of those middle table teams uh, in the spring uh, of next year. But overall, to have these implications where they're this tight on points. On two teams that are that are in in different points of of their development as a squad, I you know you can't ask for something better. Yeah, I just say that this is going to be a great game. I I think that Erling Holland coming back in. What's funny is that when he's in the team, they averaged three point three goals a game in the mm-hmm. Bundesliga, but they give up one point nine goals. So there's going to be a lot of goals in this one now that he's back in the lineup. Without him though, they're a little bit more conservative. They only score one point seven goals and allow just one. So. Now that he's in, they I think they take a little bit more risk. I'm curious to see about his partnership with Danielle Mullen. 
who is starting to find his way a little bit with Bruce Dortmund. I think his talent was always there. It's just kind of adapting and being consistent. I think that's what you want out of your players is being consistent. I think a big loss, though, speaking about injuries, Jude Bellingham might not be available. He seems a bit of a doubt. Hopefully he'll get in the team. He's one of the top young players in the world for me. Uh, Joshua Kimmich on the other side is out for sure. Uh, that's a loss for for Bayern. He's one of the top. Yeah, who cares about Joshua world. Kimmich? Whatever. Yeah, well, Leon Goretzka. <laughs> yeah, you know he's doubtful. He had a hip injury. He hasn't been uh, training at full. I, he probably will start. That said, I really like Heath's point about Robert Lewandowski being fired up and having more than enough. Uh, I don't know bulletin board material to be uh, ready to go to score some goals. Uh, he has scored actually twenty goals in fourteen games against his former club. And Borussia Dortmund, he spent five seasons uh, with the black and yellow. There will only be 15,000 fans at the stadium due to COVID protocol. So I think that's a bit of a loss. Having actually played there before, that is a very intimidating stadium. Not that Bayern are all that intimidated by that type of stuff. But I do think if your team gets momentum, it, it, it does factor into how you play. And you get that little bit of confidence that I think a big crowd could help you with. So... That said, there's a couple of certainties in life. Death taxes and Robert Lewandowski scoring against Borussia Dortmund. So I'm going to go with my bet here. I'm going to go with something I go with in the Champions League as well. Bayern Munich to win, Robert Lewandowski to score, and both teams to score. That's plus, plus 220. I love it. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it, uh, if it does pan out that way. <clears throat> I think it's... I mean, listening to what Marco Rose has been saying in the build-up to the match, it doesn't sound like uh, Haaland will be able to go 90 minutes. So assuming that he does start, that's probably him done after about an hour, uh, mm-hmm. you know, assuming that he holds up that long. Uh, so, you know, I think that gives this game potentially sort of that long to to be quite a balanced affair and for Dortmund to, to to do the damage. And if they can't do that, do it after that, then, you know, I think Bayern will just be too strong for them, despite a few of those absences. I know that Chupo Moting's uh, quarantine might come to an end just in time for the match if he tests negative. Uh, Stan, sounds like Stanisic is out as well. So, you know, there are a couple of absences on the on the Bayern side as well. But it's, it's all relative. Uh, you know, and Bayern are pretty much, you know, one of, if not the deepest squads in uh, in Europe. So I think Bayern will probably just about edge this, but you know it all depends on how Haaland's minutes are handled uh, and how much damage Dortmund can do when he's on the pitch. Love it, love it. All right, well, let's. Uh, we want to have some time for MLS, so let's go quickly on La Liga, okay? Just some key matches here. Real Betis against Barcelona, Saturday, 10-15 Eastern. Real Sociedad against Real Madrid, Saturday, 3 p.m., Eastern. Uh, just one quick thought from La Liga. Let's begin with you, JJ. Let's go back to you. Anything from La Liga that you want to quickly bring up uh, before we go to MLS? Oh, yeah, the Betis are going to beat Barcelona this this weekend. Uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really funny. Uh, you know, Betis, as a team to follow in Spain, you know, there's not been that much success over the years to to sort of get excited about. Obviously, uh, you know, you have a fantastic cult hero in Joaquin, uh, who incidentally was was pretty much the player that got me interested in Betis in the first place when I bought this shirt 20 years ago or so. But, uh, it, you know, Betis now are really starting to li- deliver on their potential under Pellegrini. You've got uh, Nabil Fekir, you know, finally playing with some consistency, which is great to see. And, you know, I, it, I'm just hopeful that the Betis can sort of sneak into those, uh, you know, those Champions League places uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I think, you know, it's still a good time to play Barca. They're actually above them in the table at the moment by about four points. So for me, uh, you know, I think that this one has the makings of a, a bit of an upset, if we can call it that. No, i just say really quick about Betis. The value there for them to go to camp now and get a result is plus 550. I like it for the reasons you're talking about. Unfortunately, Nabil, Nabil Fakir is out due to yellow card accumulation. That hurts them. But Wanmi has been on fire. 
scored a hat trick against Levante in their last match. A game I'll be taking, uh, keeping an eye on is Real Sociedad facing Real Madrid, the Real Derby. I feel like Madrid just have a little bit too much. Sociedad, good time to face him. David Silva apparently has been injured. He's not going to play in this one. I think that's going to force Mikel Oyarzabal to come inside. Even though I think Real Sociedad have enough, I just don't think there's anything slowing down Kareem Benzema or Vinicius Jr. And, and I feel like Carlo Ancelotti is starting to find a nice, consistent lineup. And that makes me a little fearful for Sociedad with regard to this. I could see like a low-scoring draw here, but if I was going to give an edge to one of the teams, it would be Madrid. Yeah, the last thing I would say is that no one's mentioned Hector Bellerin coming back for uh, Real Batiste. That's uh, just, you know, everybody knows what kind of quality he came uh, through, the, <laughs> what he has uh, coming through the 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 uh, Arsenal uh, Arsenal uh, footballing uh, system. But, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the on the on the Sociedad match with Real Madrid, same thing. Jimmy mentioned them starting to find that consistent roster. I think that's a little bit of a fear factor, knowing how many games you have this time of year. I worry about that lack of squad rotation and what that could again mean. When you, if you have any sort of knocks due to just uh, fatigue and, and accumulation, you see that happening this time of year. We, I would love for it to not be a stat, but it is. And anytime you can't rotate, um, you're putting your players more at risk. But obviously, this is a huge match for, for Real Madrid to continue to solidify themselves uh, at the top of the table. And I see them beating Sociedad. But overall, really good matchup and great games in, in La Liga this weekend. Yeah, also, all of them are on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, so who made the scheduling for this? Because I don't know, but it's kind of good for us in the weekend recap, I guess. Yeah. We get a little bit of waiting time. But uh, no, a very good point in Real Madrid, by the way, everybody. They are slowly but surely taking that control of La Liga. Seven points, top of the table. And by the way, Real Madrid have won six of their last eight away games. Uh, the biggest tally of wins away from home since... 2014, 2015, which was also coincidentally managed by Carlo Ancelotti. So they're doing things away, which is key for La Liga and Real Madrid, of course. All right. We're going to wrap things up. We're going to say goodbye to Jonathan Johnson before we say goodbye, Jonathan, because we're going to talk MLS, JJM. We just found out, especially Jimmy Conrad here, just found out your team, your MLS team. Who's that? Yeah, exactly. So uh, as as we were joking uh, before we came on air, uh, I've always kept an eye on San Jose Earthquakes uh, ever since I had a very brief flirtation with potentially covering Major League Soccer years and years ago. Got to know them a little bit when they came over and, and did a, a, a bit of winter training in uh, in England. So can't speak highly enough of the Quakes and uh, obviously delighted to be joined by a club legend, Jimmy Conrad, on a regular basis. Yeah. Jimmy, show us more. What's in there? I, well, I already opened it up because it's oh, there you go. The oh, I thought they just championship ring. I thought they just gave you a piece of wood and engraved <laughs> for for winning. I guess you get a, I get a ring. Too. I, I actually awesome. get a ring. I love it. I love it. I, love it. I appreciate you, you being a Quakes fan, JJ. That's amazing. Do you, do, you, do you kiss it like Raul style before bed every night? Uh, maybe I do. I love oh, it. That's why Landon Donnan would do the celebrations with the kisses because he because he's he's he's, he's, so kissing the, uh, he's kissing the uh, the earthquakes ring. Yeah, I guess. Des Norris Des Norris calls it a tiny coffin, just like earthquakes playoffs chances as well. <laughs> it'll be our season next season i love jonathan it. johnson earthquakes fan now i've seen it all jonathan johnson <laughs> thank you so much john underscore the gossip on twitter follow all his content on cbs sports jj thank you so much buddy we'll see you next time take care guys always a pleasure always a pleasure all right let's talk everybody now uh the peruvian american sandwich here heath pierce Jimmy Conrad, LME, we're going to talk MLS conference finals or just, you know, the semifinals. Let's just make it easier for everybody. All right. On the West, in the West, Portland Timbers against 
Real Salt Lake on Saturday. By the way, I talked to Gio Savarese, one of the best people out there. I'm so happy I finally got to talk to him. And then the other side, Union, Philadelphia Union host NYCFC on Sunday. And also check out Tati Castellanos and yours truly chatted as well. He won't be available for that one. But these, all of these games are amazing. If Real Salt Lake win, by the way, boys, and NYCFC win, we could have MLS Cup final in uh, Yankee Stadium. They will play at a Yankee Stadium. They <laughs> please. Will not play. They will please, not play at a Yankee please Stadium. Please make it happen. Jimmy, let's begin with your thoughts. I mean, we can go anywhere. Do you want to take West? And, uh, Heath yeah, I'll take East? the West. I'll take the West. What I'll say very quickly is that the Portland Timbers were the number four seed at the start of the playoffs in the West. And yep. Real Salt Lake were number seven, meaning that Real Salt Lake have to win every single game away from home to be MLS Cup champions. And... They are doing it in fine form. And actually, I feel like they're getting better as this goes along. Now, obviously, they sat back against the Sounders in Seattle and to get any shots on goal over 120 minutes and one in penalties. But they actually went into Kansas City, another club that I used to play for for eight years. And I'm on the wall over there in the stadium. That's my flex of the day. How long did that oh. take me? It only took me an Shoot. hour to get a flex. No, yeah, you, gonna... you just showed us your ring. You flexed okay, multiple fine, times fine. so far. I did multiple <laughs> flex within a few minutes. Yeah. But, flex but, away, Jimmy. Flex away. But they went in there and actually thought they were they were disciplined. They had a plan. And maybe the first half, Kansas City got a little bit of the better of them. But but I thought that they, po- some ways, pocketed the attack for Sporting Kansas City and, and then brought in some super subs that changed the game. They went on to win it. Kansas City and they have a man. villain, Jimmy Conrad. And they do. Ochoa. David Ochoa. This league needs a villain. And I love it. I love it. Yeah, he's not afraid to talk some trash, so I appreciate that as well. Going into Portland to get a result when they know they have a chance at home to book their ticket to the MLS Cup final, knowing that they could potentially host it if that happens, is got to be, and I actually think that pressure worked against Kansas City. Once they saw the Colorado Rapids got knocked out, they would have their chance to host the Western Conference final and maybe host the MLS Cup, and they didn't take it. Salt Lake, for me, are flying right now. They have that Team of Destiny vibe. And I don't think that should be underplayed or, or uh, not given enough weight. I think that they are just playing with house money. Uh, Rusak should be back in the team. And I think that's important because he's been hurt a little bit. Now, talking about injuries, we could argue the Timbers are missing their two top players who are hurt. Sebastian Blanco's out and Darren Espria are both going to be out for yeah, this. Espria for a red card, right? So yeah. That's right. So And Blanco's, I think he's going to be out for the playoffs unless he pulls some like Willis Reed. Their lead you know, assist king. Yeah, the 1970s point. New York Knicks center. You know, that's going to come back all hobbled and still try to make a play. Kirk <laughs> Gibson hitting that home run. I don't think we're going to see that. And I think that really hurts Portland. I think that makes their attack a lot more predictable. And I think that plays into Salt Lake's hands. And again, that vibe for Salt Lake is something fierce. I actually like Salt Lake to pull off the upset wow. and book their ticket okay. to the MLS wow. final. I know, I know, I know. Wow. I'm putting my well, flag in the ground there. Well, Jimmy, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll follow up on the West and then and then talk East. And you can follow up on that if you want to. Okay, but sure. my, my, my West thought is just obviously uh, when we're when we're talking about management, right? When you're when you're when we're when we're talking about a coach that has mm-hmm. brought in that belief when when he came in. He came in the first year and took them to a final, and they got absolutely battered by by Atlanta in Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. and we're and we're humbled by that. But when you look at the team that they had on the field, when you look at the squad that they had, they weren't one of the better teams in the league. And he and he, I guess the point I'm trying to make is he has that motivation. Jimmy, you and I know we both played pickup with him. We both hung out with him tons of times in New York when he was with the Cosmos. An incredible person, an incredible manager that just gets the most out of the players. Anytime that I've gone up to Portland, I pop by, I see him, he welcomes me in and you just feel this embrace. He's just the best, man. He's amazing. I love you. That's incredible. The flip side though, is that you have this Real Salt Lake side. And funny enough, Real Salt Lake's only championship came 
in 2009 when they made the playoffs on the last day and, again, had that team of destiny type of mentality where they snuck into the playoffs based on a couple other teams. They needed help. They won I, their I, final I remember. Season. I was still yeah. playing. I remember yeah. it well. Yeah, they they needed help from others. They got in on – they got the help from other teams. They won in the last game, and then they made this scrappy run to win the final. And they sort of had that same sort of mentality. And, yeah, we we sometimes we, we, we think about uh, this – sort of like nothing to lose type of mentality. But when you're in the playoffs and you find yourself further than you were supposed to be and you find yourself statistically saying, hey, we haven't had a shot, but we won, those are the things you actually can rely upon in these games where you believe that you can beat anybody. And you go, guys, we got nothing to lose. We're not supposed to be here. No one expects us to be here. Everyone's laughing at us right now. And then you've got the villain in Ochoa. I got I got no time for that because I wish he was a villain in Olympic qualifying for the U.S. men's yeah, uh, for no the US national team. Um, but we'll get to that another time. On the, on the Eastern Conference, again, Missing your best player, your goal scorer, I think that's a huge loss for NYCFC. Obviously, for anybody who hasn't been paying attention, it happened in the 113th minute, getting sent off in a game where you are now the key player for everyone uh, to be sent off. He's also been fined for refusing to leave the field in the 113th minute uh, by the league. I'm surprised. For an, an undisclosed fee. But knowing that, you know, obviously imagine the emotion you go into when you've been sent off and now um, and now you're you're out for this game, suspended for for one match in this one. Gives Philly the opportunity. Philly, I think, is the best team probably left in the playoffs in terms of the quality of the squad that they have. I mm-hmm. thought they were probably one of the worst teams that entered the playoffs, but now you've seen most of the big playoff teams kind of go out. So I like Philly's odds to be able to do this one. I like Portland to be able to finally to take this one against Real Salt Lake, and then the final mm-hmm. likely then would be well not likely would be hosted in Portland, which would be an unbelievable experience for an MLS Cup. Although obviously. Um, you know, I would love to see that being hosted in Philly as well. I well, just don't want it on a baseball field, guys. Yeah, Jimmy, no, why don't no, you no, jump I, on, uh, on the East there? No, uh, I'm just going to say, without, without Tati Castellanos, who is the leading goal scorer in MLS, I just don't know where NYCFC is going to get their goals. I'm a big Maxi Morales fan, the number 10 for NYCFC. He's cute as a button. He's got those Ever Benega <laughs> vibes. You know, I really He's love that cute dude. cute as a button list. He's cute as a button, it. everybody. But is he enough to, you know, maybe on a set piece, I could see NYCFC getting a goal, but in the run of play, I just don't know how they're going to do it with Ishmael Tajiri, so, is he good enough no, to do they're, they're good enough, but but I just feel like the center backs and the goalkeeper, you need a hot goalkeeper to, to, to win anything of consequence. We say it a lot here. And Andre Blake, for me, tremendous in the penalties against Nashville. Yep. At home, they, they're, uh, they're, the record at home this season is 13 wins, one loss, and two draws. And without the striker that I think you needed to maybe penetrate that defense and get some good opportunities on goal consistently, and him not being there... I just feel like Philly, this is really stacking up for Philly. Now, I will say, just to throw this out there, and everybody who's a Philly fan is like, please don't say it. There have been a lot of Open Cup finals, U.S. Open Cup finals in Philadelphia, and they've gotten to the final a couple of times, and they never win that one. They have to actually get past this obstacle first, and I think that they will. If Castellanos was playing, I think I might have leaned towards NYCFC to do something, maybe take it into extra time, maybe go to penalties again. But I just think that uh, Philly's going to have enough on both sides of the ball to outlast this NYCFC team, who should be proud of what they've accomplished this yeah. season. But it's not going to be enough to get there. And then I still think RSL is going to win. I think it's going to be close. And then, then they're going to host. Philly's going to host for a chance to win. All right, so let's do these predictions then. All right, so who's your final? What's your final? Jimmy, I know you, Heath, you already said it, but I want you to repeat it. I'll say it. R- RSL, Philly in the final. Philly's going to host the final December 11th. All right, Heath? I'm saying uh, Portland against the uh, Philadelphia Union in Portland uh, for for the final. By the way, Castellanos is your golden boot. Like, imagine the demoralizing feeling of a locker room saying we've relied upon this guy and now he's gone. I mean, this is the golden boot winner for Major League Soccer and you don't have him. I don't care who you have on the field. 
somebody yeah. scored have been that big of a producer for your team, it's hard to replace that. And, and especially in such a short time and both mentally and physically. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it is worth mentioning that it's a double-edged sword because it was Castellanos' goal as well that helped right. get NYCFC to here in the first place. So players like Rodriguez, Maxi Morales, and Jesus Medina, by the way, who were still kind of waiting for him to light it up. I'm going to say NYCFC wins this one and Portland wins this one. And Portland will host, right, against NYCFC. And can I just say for the record that Portland actually do play in a baseball stadium, but it's been retrofitted to actually. So it's like either a way. Stadium. Right, right. So we have uh, our You might friend. get your wish, Luis. No, you might get your it wish. Was, it, was, it, it looks, I mean, they've, they've, they've fixed it. I know. It. It I know nothing, they fixed it. But yeah. if you want to watch the Battered yeah. Bastards of Baseball, that's a great documentary about the Portland <laughs> team uh, that was owned by, a, a, what's his name, the actor and a celebrity. It's an incredible film that was based in that stadium that is now one of the better atmospheres in the MLS. It is. It's one of the best, maybe the best, uh, definitely the best when it comes to these players by the way i just i have gotta live gotta give some love to nycfc it's the team of my hometown and the only peruvian left alex collins is in ycfc but that's it mls conference finals make sure that you check him out this weekend so much content as well by the way jimmy heath yours truly will return for the weekend recap jimmy heath will also be here for the usmntr we just we got so much coming we're nearly to six thousand subscribers everybody please please just keep on subscribing heath thank you so much buddy thanks for having me i got to get back to reading these books behind me you know <laughs> yeah. too much well, too much talking for me i mean more reading yeah half of one uh 385 to go that's right all right jimmy conrad thank you buddy flexing thanks. flexing thanks for having me it's what i do on the show i flex <laughs> i love it thank you everybody make sure to follow us on gate golasso pod heath pierce uh, jimmy conrad on twitter and instagram as well we're on cbs sports your cbs sports app youtube.com forward slash gate golasso as well as apple podcast spotify stitcher and so much more enjoy all the games this weekend and we will see you next time Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.